You're listening to a message from Stonegate Church. For more information about Stonegate and additional audio resources, please visit Stonegate.Church. So I, I know y'all are in a series right now called Formed, and I got the opportunity to, um, to, to, to listen to the sermon from last week. So I know y'all are talking about the way that things form us, and I know we started to, be, uh, to talk about our habits. And towards the end there of that sermon last week that uh, was excellent, the pastor Rodney preached, he talked about the habit of being in God's Word, and that is what we will talk about today, the habit of taking in God's Word. And Jimmy already read the text uh, from James chapter 1, and I wonder if you've ever um, read the book of James before. You should. It's an excellent book. It's very quick. If you just got a little bit of time this afternoon, hey, maybe just, you know, uh, get your thumb a rest, put your phone down, and you can read the book of James pretty quickly. Um, it's not very long. Excellent book. Very practical. If you ever wonder, like, man, I wonder what Jesus's little brother was like. Well, you are in luck. He wrote this, all right? And if you are ever wondering, like, man, how do I know that Jesus was actually the Son of God. How about if his little brother, right, dedicated his life to laying his life on the line to tell other people that Jesus was, in fact, the Son of God? We, most of us uh, do not have such high estimations of our siblings, right? So this, <laughs> this shows us, okay, we're gonna, keep, we're gonna keep going. Here's what I wanna do. I wanna talk to you about being a good listener. What it means to be a good listener. If we're going to take in God's word, if we're going to listen to what God has to say to us as a habit, we want to be good listeners. Um, and here's, here's one of the problems with how we sometimes think about taking in God's word and listening to him is that sometimes we give ourselves credit for something way earlier than we should when we have actually not done that much. You ever seen like a pickup basketball game and it'd be a dude who like got on a whole 95 Bulls jersey and some high socks and some Jordans that he just got that look like too new, and he like dribbling a lot and just doing all of this. You can tell I can't play basketball just by me doing that, but you know what I'm saying? And then he does all of that, and then he misses a shot as an air ball. And you think, I don't think you understand the goal of this game. <laughs> what you did looks cool, but I think the end goal is to score. Or maybe another example. Um, you know, I, I am married, been married uh, for 12 years, um, I have a great marriage, not perfect, and here's one of the main sources of tension in my marriage. Anytime I mention my wife, I always have her permission. That's not to say there aren't conversations afterwards. But <laughs> one of the main sources of tension is um, that she always forgets her passwords to stuff <laughs> on the Internet. It don't matter what it is. It could be bank, Netflix. It, I mean, it don't matter, Amazon, it don't matter what it is. And the reason it bothers me is because, um, you know, we got accounts together. So I'll be somewhere trying to watch, and I'm like, why isn't the password? She's like, my bad, I forgot it, I had to change it. I always send it to her email, right? And then we got to go through a whole thing, which is saying, Trip, I think you're overreacting. Maybe I am, but I need you to understand. <laughs> the whole point of a password and so you know what it is and you can get in, right? The password, you're not supposed to be keeping yourself out of your accounts. You're trying to keep other people out of your accounts. I'm like, why don't you just write it down? You might as well have just, you know, typed in la di da di da if you wasn't going to try to remember what it was. We have things to work through in counseling, but the point is, there's no point in making a password that you don't remember. The point is to keep other people out so you can get in. Here, here's the thing. Sometimes we can feel like, oh, I accomplished the thing I set out to do. 
But if you dribble a lot and you don't score, what was the point of you dribbling? If you make a password, you don't remember. What was the point of making the password? These are not the only areas we do this in, though. We can also do this with God's Word. We can show up on a Sunday morning ready to hear the Word, and we enjoy it, and we're like, man, that was a good Word, and we leave, and we feel great, and then we go back to our lives, and absolutely nothing has changed. Maybe even at home, we open God's Word, and we have a little quiet time. Some of us got a little quiet time ritual. We sit Indian style, and we got some coffee, you know, and it's like a cute scripture poster in the corner that we look at nicely. Right? We got highlighters, take a pic for the Instagram reels, right? And you read it and you're like, ah, oh, that was great. Absolutely nothing changes. Um, and to that, just like the other two things, I would ask, what is the point? If we're only hearing and nothing changes, what is the point? Here's why I think this conversation matters, because we want to grow. We want to look more like Jesus. We want to live the way that God made us to live. We want God to bless our lives, but maybe we're not even listening to him properly when we do, right? Maybe we think we're doing something, but we really are not. And this is what I think the main point of this text is, that if you don't do it, you didn't really hear it. All right, when it comes to hearing from God and his word, if you don't do it, you didn't really hear it. And I will explain what I mean by that. But there is a right and wrong way to listen to God's word, which is going to be something very important, a very important habit for shaping us in his image. So we'll talk about this in three points of things we need to do to hear from God, to listen properly. The first one is this, we need to receive. Receive. If we're going to hear from God, we have to always be in a posture of receiving. Here's one of the problems there for us. We live in an age of constant speaking. We're always texting, we're always posting, we're always sharing whether or not we actually have anything good to say. We put way more value on talking than listening. Sometimes it seems like our mindset is every thought that I have needs to be heard by everybody. And that isn't true. I've heard what some of y'all have to say. Every thought doesn't need to be heard. James has something to say to us about that. Verse 19. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 19. I'm reading from the NIV. It says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God requires. He says we should be quick to listen. That means listening should be our primary posture. Our reflex should be listening. The way um, when you sit there and your phone vibrates, your reflex is to grab it, pick it up, and look who it is. In the same way, when we hear someone else speaking, especially if it's from God's word, our posture should be to listen not just running our mouths. And I will say this, I think in the book of James, as he talks about this, this being quick to listen applies to hearing from God's word and to hearing from others, to listening to others as well. So he says we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. That means that the speaking part should come second, that we should count the costs before we speak. It means we should think carefully. We don't always have to have the first and final say about everything. Nudge somebody sitting next to you if they need to hear that. We don't need to always have the first and final say. It means we don't always have to process out loud. Uh, Proverbs 17 says this, The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. Whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought-wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. There's something to being very careful with our words. Christians more than anybody else should understand that there is life and death in the power of the tongue. 
We, we should be slow to speak. But it is hard. It is, can be hard to be quiet. I wonder if you've ever been around somebody who every time they come in the room, they just kind of suck all the energy out of the room. Right? No matter who's talking, they always think they have something better to say. And we don't always enjoy being around those people. And it's because it shows a complete lack of regard for everybody else. Because we are quickest to the things that we value most. We are slow to the things that we value the least. So being quiet, right, being slow to speak requires some humility from us. It means acknowledging there are helpful things to be said that don't come from me. Right? Or that expressing myself is not the most important thing all the time. And this includes on social media, all right? Don't just be thinking about conversations. Some of y'all, I don't even know you personally, but I know human beings. Let me say some of us, so it sounds less accusatory. Some of us sometimes feel like anything that is happening in the world, I need to make sure that all my followers on social media know my take. Like we're putting out a press release, just so you know how I feel about this. I read three tweets about this, and I've come to this conclusion. It's like some of y'all are like, when did you become, like, when did we become military generals? It's like you haven't ever thought about war before, but you know the strategy we should have took, right? <laughs> like sometimes it really is fine to be quiet, but, but we have convinced ourselves that we should, if we have any thought, we should put it out. And, and if we think about it, why would we ever be slow to speak and quick to listen if we have all... The answers. I mean, it shows kind of an underlying assumption about ourselves, but listening means we understand who we are and where we stand in the world. And I got to say, this is sometimes why people have issues with um, some believers where we have the truth of God, but that, of course, doesn't mean that we have nothing to learn from anybody. More than other people, we believers should understand that there is someone who's omniscient, who has the right thoughts on absolutely everything, who always, when they speak into a situation, makes it better. But we should also understand that person is not us, it's God. Right? We're not the ones to, to fix everything. What if, what if you decided that you were going to learn something every single day, that at some point in every day you are going to hear something from somebody that's not yourself that you're going to try to learn from? What if you decided, I am going to hear from God and learn from God every day? If we listen first, it, it'll even help us to speak more effectively. And I also say this, it would be a massive misunderstanding of how God communicates with his people if we assumed um, that listening to other people has absolutely nothing to do with hearing from God. Let me tell you, so many of the most crucial and shaping uh, seasons of my life have happened because of conversations I had with other believers who understood God's word, who helped me to think through how God's word applied to my life. The number of times God has changed my life with his word from somebody else's mouth are more than I could ever try to count. But if we're always quick to speak and slow to listen, then that doesn't really have a chance to happen here. Here's what he goes on to say. Uh, we should also be slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God requires. He says we should be slow to anger. If our culture is anything in 2021, it's quick to anger. Baseball has been surpassed as America's favorite national pastime. It is now anger. <laughs> we love to be mad at something, right? We love, since I started this sermon, 73 people have been canceled on Twitter today. Some of them did something, some of them woke up, and they was like, I don't even know what I did, but I guess I'm done now. Because we love to be angry about something. Sometimes we have never heard of something, and we're like, man, okay, who's that? Yes, I am also angry. 
we're very quick to anger. It's easier to be quick to anger if we're slow to listen. We know all anger isn't bad. One of the main ways we know that is there's righteous anger in Scripture. God gets angry. Jesus gets angry. We're not talking about that kind of righteous anger. Um, the kind of anger we're talking about shuts us off to being able to hear from other people. This is why being slow to anger is important. Uh, being quick to listen is like leaning forward with your pen and pad out, right? But, but anger looks like leaning back with our arms crossed. And this is why we can't hear from people. When we're quick to anger and slow to listen, sometimes we just willfully misunderstand things. And this is like half of our agreements with whatever other side we would have in mind. Half the time, it's because we willfully misunderstand people because instead of leaning in to actually listen, we like to lean back with our arms crossed. Sinful anger, he says, does not produce righteousness, which is what God requires of us, which is what he's forming us towards. We should be slow to anger. Some of us need to ask ourselves, what kind of work do I need to do in my heart this week that I would be slower to anger? This isn't just with other people, though. Sometimes our knee-jerk reaction to hearing from God's Word is anger or bitterness. Sometimes we hear stuff from God's Word, and we start to doubt a little bit that it's God's Word, or, or it's kind of hard to receive that way or to give that authority. And sometimes I understand it's because something is hard to understand, or it's because something... Uh, is really at odds with the morals of our culture, or something is just really hard to obey. Um, and, and sometimes our reaction to that can be like, I don't like this. I don't like what God said, and I understand why we would feel that way sometimes. But here's the thing, if we're going to go to God's Word, if in God's Word we go there expecting to meet a God who is bigger than us and wiser than us and holier than us, why do we get so mad when it's not us that we find there? Why, why are we confused that God has a different view than us on anything? Like sometimes we're like, man, that's not what I thought. That can't be true. Um, but with any kind of learn, like if we're going to God to learn from him, like with any kind of learning, you're not just getting new information. You're also being corrected with some false information that you had. Of course, when you go to God's word, there will be some stuff that you think that the Bible will say something differently about. But when we go to God's Word, we're not just interacting with somebody with some different opinions than our own. We're interacting with the God of the universe. So there will be some times when you read something in God's Word that is hard. I want to encourage you. Don't let that push you away from God's Word. We want to be slow to anger. We want to be quick to listen. We want to lean in and say, okay, let me hear what God has to say. When you disagree with something in God's Word, just so you understand, you're wrong, not him. And if something doesn't make sense, here's the posture I pray that the Lord always helps me to have. Instead of, that don't seem right, I want my posture to be, I don't understand, Lord, help me understand. I don't understand how this fits with this, Lord, help me understand. I don't see it yet. Help me to see it. That's the posture we want. We want to be quick to listen, slow to anger. Question for you, how often are you listening to God? If we want to be quick to listen and to hear from him specifically, how often are you listening to God? One encouragement for you in the time that you spend reading God's Word yourself. Let me, let me say this. There's something amazing and special about hearing God's Word together as a family, as a community. That does not mean that we don't have a need to also open God's Word for ourselves. And, and I want to encourage you in your own reading of God's Word to plan that. We just know there's never like when we have a free second, it's just decided on as a culture, 
we pull out our phones and do this. We got str- I mean, we probably created new muscles in the thumb. Like, we're good at this. This is what we do. I want to encourage you, plan the time when you're going to open God's Word and hear from Him. If you're struggling to be consistent, say, I'm going to just read a chapter, right? I'm going to spend a few minutes. I'm going to hear from God. I'm going to pray for a few minutes, right? And I want to encourage you, um, plan that out. Plan that out. It's very important for us to, to hear from God. And when we do, we want to be quick to listen, slow to speak. First thing we have to do is we have to receive. We have to receive. Second thing, we want to hear well. We have to remove. We have to remove. Sometimes we're trying to do something, and we don't realize that there's an obstacle in the way. There's something that's blocking us from the thing we're trying to accomplish. One example, a friend of mine just did some renovations on their house. They, they had their kitchen redone, right? And so um, the, the contractors came, and they said, hey, yeah, we can do this, but we notice that your floor is leaning. And they're like, mm. so it's like, so we actually, we're going to have to take the floor up. I know you just want some nice looking stuff, but we're going to have to take this floor up and, and fix the subfloor, right? So they did that. They was like, mm. I didn't even know a subfloor existed. I'm like, I'm only familiar with regular floors. But <laughs> apparently, there's a floor up under there known as the subfloor. And so they said, oh, actually, there's something wrong with the subfloor. We're going to have to take that up. And it just kept happening. They almost had to rebuild that entire side of the house. For a second, I was going to be like, is the soil okay? Um, <laughs> but they, um, <laughs> they almost had to rebuild that whole side of the house. And, but, but here's why. They said, we can build all this nice stuff, but if we just keep putting it on top of faulty foundations, then whatever we put on top of it just isn't going to be able to be built the way that you think it is. Well, James is going to say something very similar to us here uh, about receiving God's Word. Uh, if, they, if my friends didn't remove what was rotted and messed up, it would cause issues for what they were trying to put on top of it, right? So listen to this, um, verse 21. He says, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the Word planted in you, which can save you. One of the things that we'll need to do to hear from God properly is to get rid of some stuff. The language he's using here means to to take some things off almost like clothing. Scripture does this a lot where it talks about believers taking old things off and putting on new things. And when we we don't take the old stuff off, it gets in the way of new things being on, of hearing what God has to say to us. And the strong language he uses here is filth. He says, get rid of all moral filth. That's a good image because we think of sin as a lot prettier than filth. Sin seems a little enticing to us. It seems a little bit like an eclectic friend that we just don't want people to know we're hanging with. He talks about his moral filth. Imagine, imagine this. Imagine just walking around just dirty, just not showering for weeks at a time. And then you, you know, um, you're like, oh, I got to go to this event. Some of y'all was like, this was me during quarantine, but no. Um, but then you're like, I have to go to an event. And so you're like, you know what? I'm going to just spray some cologne and some perfume on and we'll be good. It was half the dudes I went to high school on, except it was X body spray that they did it with. And it's like, look, bro, um, that little spray smells, smells okay. It's not going to cover up a year's worth of stink. That's not how that works. But here's the thing. You can spray cologne or perfume, but at the end of the day, there's something blocking it. You're not clean. Right? He's saying we, we can have all this moral filth. We can throw ourselves into everything that God hates and then try to show up and hear from him. He's saying, I just need you to understand, if you really want to hear from God, you got to get rid of the moral filth that stands in the way. Um, there's some stuff we have to remove uh, to be able to hear well. So when we give in to sin, this is why it gets in the way, uh, it pulls us away from God. When we love what God hates, 
we're moving in a direction opposite of God. When God says that lust is bad and we've been drowning in it all week, it is hard to hear that word from God clearly. When we've been building habits for several years that train us to believe that lust and everything that comes with it is good, it is hard to hear the opposite from God's word. That moral filth keeps us from hearing from God. Sin is like a fog on our windows that keeps us from being able to see clearly. It's, it's like some, um, uh, it's like, what, I can't even remember. It's like some earplugs. Forgot the word earplugs for a second. It's like earplugs. It keeps us from being able to hear clearly. So I, I want to ask you, what in your heart may be keeping you from hearing from God? It could be an addiction. It could be a relationship. It could be the way that you idolize your work. It could be prejudice you have against your neighbor. It could be uh, bitterness towards other people who, who wronged you. Whatever it is, we should remove it. Repentance is a uh, constant part of the life of a believer. There is a one-time repentance when we see that Jesus is who he said he is, and we say, I'm no longer walking away from him towards sin. I'm going to turn. I'm going to follow after him now. There's also a daily repentance where we should daily be turning away from things in our lives that do not look like Jesus. He says uh, that this moral filth is prevalent. Sins are abundant in our lives. That means that repentance needs to be abundant in our lives. Uh, one commentator said it like this, as soon as we knock one sin down, another comes and takes its place. It, we, it, if we are not denying ourselves all the time, when was the last time you said no to yourself? When was the last time you said, I want to do this, Jesus would have me do something else, nobody else would know, but I'm going to say no. Th this is part of what it looks like for us to follow Jesus, is daily repentance and self-denial. And we should not try to fight sin solo, right? We should have friends in our lives hold us accountable and help us to do it. He says, remove that moral filth and do what? Humbly accept the word planted in you. To humbly accept um, God's word means that every time we hear from God, every, every time we gather to hear from God, we should be ready to throw away everything for whatever he has to say to us. Every time we open God's word to read it. We should be ready to lay everything down. We should come before God when we hear from him saying, God, whatever you have to say, that's what I'm going to do. Whatever's in my hands that I need to drop, I'm ready to let that go. Whatever I've been straying away from that you're calling me towards, I'm ready to grab a hold of that. We want to humbly receive it. We like to come before God's word with all kind of disclaimers. As long as you don't ask me to, as long as I don't have to sit by, as long as it doesn't make me have to change jobs. God is saying, um, we need to come before him completely humbly. Whatever you say goes. Is that your posture when you come to hear from God's word? I need you to understand listening to God's word, reading God's word, is not something to put on your checklist. This is not going to get the groceries. This is not something to pat yourself on the back on. The God of the universe is speaking to you. He has things to say to you. And the word of God is not like reading a random article where you read it and forget what you even saw. When we hear from God, it demands things of us. And I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Sometimes when we hear from God, we, we treat God like he's a random person trying to convince us of something. Like, okay, I hear you, but tell me more, and we'll talk about what I would do. We should come before God with a posture of yes, not a posture of maybe. Now, of course, the Lord has to work on our hearts. What we're striving for, though, 
is, God, I just want to do whatever you would ask me to do. My kids, um, in general, not my kids. My kids aren't worse than other kids, but kids can be bad sometimes, right? And so sometimes ask them to do something, and they'll be like, I don't want to do that. Why? So here's the thing I've started to do with my kids. Because first of all, I'm like, if I would have said that to my dad, I uh, would have woken up a week later. But here's what I say. Um, <laughs> here's, what, here's what I say. It's, it's okay to ask questions about why. Obey first. Obey me first. Then we can talk about why. This needs to be our posture before God. There may be some things we don't fully understand. There may be some things we're like, but I don't know what's going to come of it. If, if the Lord is telling me to let go of this relationship because it doesn't honor him, we cannot say, okay, God, but let me figure out my new 10 to 15-year plan. We should obey now and ask questions later. Uh, and, and I could go on, on and on with that, but our, our posture before God needs to be yes. And he says, receive the word that was planted in us. Just so we understand what that means, he's talking about the word that was planted in us when we believe. The, the way that God awakens saving faith in people, the way that he brings life is the same way he created life at creation. He speaks and it happens. God's word, the gospel goes out and he creates life in us. That word has been planted in us, but we cannot think, oh, I've accepted this word of truth. I've trusted in Jesus and let me just go about my life. This word is not only planted in us, it's also our oxygen that we need to breathe every single day of our lives. If you would not dream of going without oxygen because your entire body depends on it and there's a lot of stuff that ain't going to work if you don't breathe, do not assume you can go without God's word and everything in your life is going to look good. Do not assume that faithfulness will just happen on its own. Do not assume that you'll drift towards being more like Jesus. You don't drift towards being more like Jesus. It doesn't work like that. We drift away from them. God uses his word to grow us, and there are weeds that grow. We got to choke them out. So we got to remove. Got to receive. We got to remove. Last thing is this. We have to respond. To, to listen to God's word, probably we have to respond. And this is, I think, is the main point of the passage. If you don't do it, you didn't really hear it. We got to respond. I wonder if you've ever heard of speed reading. Speed reading... Um, I heard about that when I was in high school, maybe. And then when I was in college, um, uh, I got this book that I was going to read to help me learn how to speed read. It's like, you can read way more books a lot more quickly. You know, it's like, oh, the way that we read in our minds, we read one word at a time. You can read whole sections at a time, whatever. And so as I was reading the book, I wasn't reading that book very speedily. I gave up on it because uh, it seemed stupid to me. And... I was once talking to a friend, and he said, look, I have a friend who speed reads. He said he reads 10 books a week. I said, man, that is impressive. Must be the smartest dude. He said, well, when I asked him about the books, I was like, oh, well, what was that one about? And he said his friend's like, huh? He's like, oh, no, like, what? Like, tell me, like, what was he talking about? He's like, uh, it was really great, great read. I was like, yeah, well, I could tell you that, and I haven't seen the book. Can you say you read a book if you don't know what was in the book? Maybe you met the book, but you, like, you've seen it with your own eyes. You've seen pages inside. You can confirm there are words. You just don't know what any of those words are. That can't be called reading. What is the point? Let's, let's see what he says here to us about reading God's word. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. 
But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Um, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Lying is a terrible thing to do. When we lie to people, we give them something false. Sometimes they build their life and they make their decisions based on those lies, based on something that's not even true. Um, one just like American example of this is um, the weapons of mass destruction that they said were certainly there and a war happened and American lives were lost and uh, lives overseas were lost, Iraqi lives were lost. We, we went to fight a war and it turns out there were no weapons of mass destruction. Colin Powell, who recently died, said one of the biggest regrets of his career was the way that they pursued that because they were at best just incorrect. But big decisions were made in light of that. Lies can be very damaging because we make decisions and we choose our actions based on what we believe to be our reality. You know what's even more sad than lying to other people is when we lie to ourselves. It is a little more twisted and strange that we would tell lies to ourselves that we then take as truth and make false decisions based on. He says, when we listen to the word only, we deceive ourselves. We're lying to ourselves. When we say, I heard what God said, therefore the entire job is done, we're lying to ourselves. Listening is a first step, not a last one. Right? Um, being bothered or convicted by something even is not enough. Conviction and agreement is not enough when God has called us to respond to do something. Outrage alone, not enough. If you hear a sermon and think, man, that was good, and then move on, you're doing it wrong. This is not what he's called us to. It reminds me of something that happened to me when I was much younger. I, I was on a um, trip. I was on, going to an event with some friends, and um, we was like, you know, we, we had a lot of layovers in airports, and I was just buying stuff, all kind of snacks and food. My friend, I was buying other people's stuff. I was like, I got you, bro. You want some lemon heads? I got you. Just swiping my card over and over again. Turns out, um, it wasn't no money in my account. Now, the amount of overdraft fees, so I had a, plenty in my savings, uh, very young and irresponsible and just wasn't paying attention, and I just hadn't put, so um, every time I did that, there was a $35 charge for each swipe. And so I'm calling them like, y'all, I'm, look, please, I'm, I'm just a young man. Uh, you know, the money was there, like obviously because you transferred it. Can you just waive the fees? And what they said to me was, yeah, the money was there, but it was useless where it was because it wasn't actually applied to the account that you were using. In the same way, we can pat ourselves on the back for all of our theological knowledge, for the scriptures that we know, for the sermons that we've heard, for the things that we've highlighted. If it does not show up in your life, it's absolutely useless. You can feel good about yourself. Just understand, you feeling good about yourself here in the Word is not what God is actually after. Storing up knowledge uh, is, is not what God is after. He's after us responding in faith. Now, let me say this. That response might look like raising your hands in worship. That response might look like taking a meal to your neighbor. That response might look like praying more. That response might look like speaking more kindly to your kids that day. But every time we hear from God, we're called to 
respond. He says, anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. He's making fun of us. What if you looked in the mirror and you smiled and there's spinach in all your teeth and you're like, oh, that looks terrible. And then you just went about your life. You'd be like, why did you even look in the mirror? What, what was the point of that? He's saying, this is what we do. When we go to the, the, the reason he compares a word to a mirror is because it shows us ourselves. It reveals our flaws. It exposes our shortcomings. Um, and it, it keeps us from just comparing ourselves to those in the world around us. Instead, we, we're looking at what God has to say to us. But it doesn't matter how hard we look at this if we walk away and forget what we even saw. What are you doing to make sure that you apply God's word? Because that's what God is after. That's how God forms us is in his word. He shows us what he's after. And isn't one of the amazing thing about God's word? The same way it created new life in us, God's word also can create the very things we're after. So don't hear me saying, get your life together, then open God's word. Opening God's word is what helps you to get your life together. I just need you to understand this is a daily cycle of I'm going to God's word, and when I go to it, I want to respond, and I look more and more like him. And the more and more I look like him, the more clearly I can hear him, the more I can take it in, and this is how God shapes us. This is how he forms us. And I understand the Christian life is not this very easy, always steps forward. If we're honest, there are plenty of times it's three steps forward and one back, and then two steps back and a few steps forward. But God is moving us forward, and he does that in his word, and we want to respond to his word and not pat ourselves on the back before we've even done what he's after. He, he contrasts it, though. And I'm getting to the end. He says, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what he does. The word for look means to bend down and look into, to examine carefully. It's a completely different word. We got to meditate on God's word. Like we want to take it in. This is not um, a tweet. This is God's word. So some of the ways we can do that, journal, write down your thoughts, talk with other people. You know, all the stuff you learned in, in school that you don't remember. Part of that is because you learned it just for a second so you could get an A on the quiz and it had nothing to do with your life whatsoever and the way that you thought about it. We do God's word like that, and we hear all these sermons, and we read stuff we completely forget about. It. I want to encourage you, talk to other people about God's word. Think about what it actually has to do with your life, that you can stick with it and stay with it. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training, and righteousness. It teaches us. It, it, it rebukes us. It corrects us. And he says, Whoever looks intently into the perfect law right, that gives freedom, um, not forgetting it, but doing it, they will be blessed. He calls it the, the law uh, uh, that gives freedom or the law of liberty. We don't think of laws as giving liberty and freedom. We think of them as restraining. We think of them as bondage. But I just need you to understand that the real bondage is a life separated from God, that the real bondage is a life full of sin. But the real freedom is God freeing us up through his word to restore right, to, to shape us into his image, to look more and more like him, to live the way that we were made to live. Um, disobedience is bondage, not obedience. And he says they'll be blessed in what they do. It sounds like wisdom literature, Psalm 1. It sounds like Ecclesiastes where God will often say, hey, you know, I know how the world works. If you train your child up, like we're saying here, in the way that they should go, 
they won't depart from it. There's wisdom that comes from hearing from God, and there's blessing in obeying God. This is not I mean anytime you do the right thing, everything will go right in your day that day. But this is to say God understands this world better than we do. And it's also to say that even though he doesn't have to, God rewards our obedience. Now, um, when we look at a text like this, one of the things that, that will come to mind is we'll think, I just need you to understand, Trip. I want to obey God's word, but I don't always do the best job. I'm not the best law keeper. And the good news that I have for you is that God understands you're not the best law keeper, and he's already done something about it. You know, I understand you say, I see Psalm 1, it says, the man who meditates on his word day and night and, and you know, is always putting it into practice. I don't always put it into practice. There was someone who walked the earth who said, I always do the will of the Father. It blows me away when I see Jesus say, I always do the will of the Father. Jesus absolutely never sinned. There was never a time when he even disrespected his mom. There was never a time when he was selfish. There was never a time he looked upon a woman with lust. All the ways you're thinking, I haven't been able to be perfectly obedient. There is a Savior who has. And I want you to know that Jesus not only died for our sins, but he also obeyed the word of God on our behalf. That when we stand before God, if we are going to have an eternity with God, we will need to have a spotless record. If we're going to have an eternity with God, we'll need to have some money in our righteousness account. And I just want you to know that you cannot fill your own account with the righteousness you need to be in God's family. But Jesus came. Right? That Jesus said, I will swap accounts with you. Let me take the punishment you deserve for your sin, and I'll give you the reward that comes from my righteousness. Um, the good news is this, we, we are lawbreakers, but Jesus has kept the law on our behalf. Jesus calls us to himself. Jesus says, I will uh, forgive you of your sins. I'll give you my perfect record. And the other amazing thing that comes with that is that his spirit through his word enables us to obey him. As Pastor Rodney was saying, it takes not only grit, but grace. We desperately need the grace of God to respond in obedience to the word of God. At every point, God continues to remind us we just need him. So the goal for us is not, God, let me put together this perfect life, present it to you, and hope you'll be pleased. It's, I know you're pleased with us in Jesus. In light of that, make me more like Jesus. You've given me the record of Jesus, now give me the character of Jesus. And my prayer for you is that through his word, both individually and as a church, God will use his word to give you the character of Jesus. I'm going to pray. Father, we come before you in the name of your son, Jesus, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. We, we thank you for his sacrifice on our behalf, God. We thank you for his death and his resurrection. Lord, and we thank you the way that you've shown us who he is in your word. So, God, we pray today that you would help us to respond to your word, even now, Father. I pray you would be convicting us of areas in our lives where we know we've heard what you've called us to do, but we're resisting. Lord, help us to come to you with open hands, to humbly receive, to respond with obedience and faith and love. Where we're struggling with doubt, Lord, we pray you'd show us who you are. Where we're struggling with just reluctance, we pray you'd show us who you are. Where we're giving in to temptation, we pray you would show us who you are, show us how much better you are and what you have for us is. And I pray for my friends who don't know you or who are not sure where they stand with you, God. We pray you would show them the beauty of Jesus, help them to see him, to trust in him. And Father, we pray you would make 
make them more like him. We ask all of these things in the name of your son, Jesus.